All right. Welcome to episode seven. Are we really on episode seven already, Ale? That's impressive. And I think how we were able to get to so many episodes so quickly is actually the very topic we're going to be discussing this week, which is lockdown in Singapore. Everyone's favorite topic. Yes. I mean, it's all anyone can talk about. I don't think we have really talked about anything in our WhatsApp group threads, Ale, besides lockdown for the last two months, since it's really been that long. It's bringing everyone together, I think. I like that. That's such a positive take on it, Ale. I'm probably a little bit more impatient than you are, but sure, it's really bringing us closer together, albeit virtually. And technically, today, the circuit breaker in Singapore has ended, and we're going to be moving into a three-phase reopening. And that's definitely one thing that's unique about Singapore's situation, that we've called it a circuit breaker versus I know other places have called it lockdowns, quarantines. Some cities in the States have called it even shelter in place. Yeah, I think circuit breaker is a very graphical way of imagining it. I don't know if you know, but circuit breaker is what everyone has in their own house. It looks like a little key that you can press up or down and will essentially make sure that there's no electricity flowing in a circuit or in the whole house. So essentially this means put a stop on any activity that's happening and we just finished it. Leave it to Singapore to use an electrical engineering term to describe our lockdown situation. But I do appreciate it, language is important and I think lockdown or quarantine really makes it sound more stifling than it is. As I mentioned, our circuit breaker is easing up so we're entering phase one today, which unfortunately, Ollie, for you and I, childless expats, not much changes in phase one because I think the hallmarks of the next four-ish weeks or the month of June is that schools reopen um, a few more businesses can actually have employees go back to work. I work in software technology, so mine is not included. So I think for the majority of us, we're really looking forward to phase two. And that's when we can actually socially gather in groups of up to five at our homes or even out at restaurants. I can't wait. You can expect a call from me exactly on July 1st. Excellent. I think also you mentioned childless, but also if you have your parents living here, you could visit them during this phase, which we can argue if it's a good or bad idea, but it's also permitted. I don't know if you know, but apparently pet salons open today. Thank God, I've been wanting to groom my poodle. Not. Apologies for the sarcasm. But yes, there are a lot of different businesses that open that you kind of scratch your head and wonder if that's essential, but who am I to complain? If it's putting a business back to work, I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting noting how COVID and the circuit breaker has affected us in all the fundamental ways we do stuff. And I was just thinking that we could go over all our previous episodes and take topics from them and we can discuss how they were affected by COVID and the circuit breaker. What do you think? Yeah, should we? Let, let's revisit episode one, dating. Oh my gosh, Ale. I don't think I'll even know how to go back to talking to a guy once this is all over, let alone flirt and be charming. And wear like proper clothes. Oh my gosh, this face has been makeupless for two months, my skin will probably break out if I try to put on eyeliner or lipstick or something. But you know, maybe I am accepting my natural beauty. I have to look at this face every day in the mirror and it hasn't freaked me out too much so far. So 
maybe guys won't be so appalled by it as well. And in fact, I think we're going to a new normal where hopefully this is all accepted and the sight of anyone wearing makeup will make you even more dashing. Oh, thanks, Ollie. I do find it interesting that people, since we all conduct our work meetings over video conference, those who have gone overboard and actually applied more makeup because they want to make sure that you can actually see it and it's visible on the screen and others like myself have just completely given up. And that's also why I know that there has been a spike in people using the dating apps video chat function because obviously legally that's the only thing we're allowed to do but I still have been holding out Ollie it's been two months and I've just paused everything about my dating life I just can't do it I mean it makes sense the, the charm of having someone face to face is, is very important for a lot of people and, and the, the chemistry sometimes it's hard to detect in an online only version but coming back to what you said about your work environment and makeup from my end I, I work uh, also in some technological topics and so I don't I don't go to office yet but we do audio only so you don't really know what's happening on the other side of the call but I wonder do these people that wear a lot of makeup also take time to create like a nice setting a nice, a nice backdrop and do they angle the camera in a way that's flattering to them that is an interesting point Ali so your work culture everyone turns off their camera Yes, absolutely everyone. Only when we had a all hands on deck kind of call that the CEO is the only one with the camera on, but the rest of the time it's just audio only. I've gotten mixed reviews on how people feel about camera on or camera off. I personally keep my camera off because I have a standing desk. So if I actually were to turn the camera on, the camera would be pointing at my chest. It would definitely be an HR violation. So logistically, it just doesn't make sense for me to turn the camera on but you, there are certain people who just have different habits. And I think for us, it's kind of a free for all, whatever you feel comfortable with, because my personal opinion is, unless I'm being 100% attentive to the meeting, I'm zoning out. And I find it even more rude of me, if you can see me with my gaze floating around, not actually looking at the camera versus just having my camera off. But that's just me. I'm curious to know what you would prefer in a colleague. Would you rather have their camera off 100% of the time or just have the camera on and you risk them clearly not paying attention to what you're saying? I think I fully agree with what you're mentioning. Uh, many times I'm in calls with like five or 10 or 15 people at the time. And I know many of these people will not be paying attention throughout the call and maybe only respond to certain cues. So I think that the, the audio is a way of having leeway and also, it makes things so, so much simpler, like avoiding the need to dress up, avoiding the need to take care of your house, making sure it looks nice and fancy, or trying to hide your family members away or, or whatever in order to make <laughs> it work. But what you mentioned about your standing desk, and, and this is the other reason why I think the video is challenging, because if, for example, I, I do set up video calls with, with friends like you or my parents sometimes, and I do take a special effort in putting out a bunch of books or something so I can lift my computer up so people can see me kind of eye to eye. And I noticed that a lot mm. of people do not do that. They have the, the computer where they usually keep it, which is very low, like you mentioned. And if you were standing, yes, it would be facing your chest. But even if you were sitting down on a table, it would be facing your chin and it will make you look very unappealing. That's where I was coming from in my question about people applying makeup, but do they take care to use like a good light and positioning themselves in a way that they look good on camera? This is no slight on my coworkers, but I don't think any of them look good enough where I question like, wow, did you take extra time to get ready today? They look 
fabulous as they are, but I don't think anyone's really investing a ton of effort into their physical appearance these days, at least on my team. But one thing that I would say is maybe more unique to my situation is I, I love being outdoors. I need to get out and walk about every single day. So a lot of times if I have one-on-one -on -one meetings with coworkers or even a smaller group, I'll just go for a walk outside. I live very close to Marina Bay Sands, which we did mention in our art episode, that giant, beautiful, iconic hotel on the bayfront in Singapore. I'll be very candid with them. I say, I'm walking around right now and I'll turn my camera on and show them. And they get very excited because a lot of them happen to be in the US and they go, oh my gosh, that was so cool. Thank you for showing me a little piece of Singapore and feeling like at least for a split second, I was able to travel for a short while. So that's something that I've taken to doing too, just so people can get a glimpse into my life. I would think that would be something appreciated even for locals, you know? I mean, I, I haven't left the area where I live for months now. And I, I don't know, it would be interesting seeing how like the rest of the country looks like. That's a really good point. I actually haven't left the Bugis downtown area in a long time, Ollie. And I think I'm so fortunate because the food and restaurant scene out here is great. So I actually have not used Grab, which is our sort of Uber of Singapore to get any food delivery. I just always will either do takeout from a restaurant that is within walking distance, or I've been cooking myself, which for those who know me is a complete shock. I don't even recognize myself anymore. In the two years that I lived in Singapore before lockdown, I had never turned on my stove or oven once. In fact, I just found out before lockdown that it didn't work. I had to figure out how to turn it on and I had to call the handyman to get it fixed because I didn't even know that it was broken. I have to say I'm shocked in a positive way by the amount of stuff you cooked and the complexity. Just by looking at the pictures you sent, I initially I even had doubts that they were like stock images from somewhere else, but actually it's it's phenomenal amount of stuff you've done. Oh, you flatter me. Yes, and I appreciate that you guys are so receptive because it is a little depressing cooking for one. Not only do you have to spend probably a ratio of four to one the amount of time of grocery shopping, prepping, and cleaning to actually consumption time, but sitting by yourself eating is a little bit sad, especially if you actually made something delicious and edible. Not being able to share it with others is, is really a travesty. That is That was the topic of our episode two, and for me, one of the greatest joys about food is not just the taste, but being able to partake in the shared experience of learning about a culture with someone, trying new dishes, more of that family style dinner. So in a way, by sending you those photos, Ali, hopefully it's like we're eating together. But you've also been cooking a ton as well. I've seen some of your photos. What's been the most delicious thing you've whipped up during lockdown? Oh, I actually discovered that I like Mexican food. I mean, I already knew this, but I discovered that I like how easy it is to make, how it tends to come out good, which is not a given at all for any other meal, and how it's always like well-received. So my take on this is that we kept a, a log for the first, I think, 45 days. We kept a log of every single thing we ate. The last number I got was that 27% of our meals were bought and the 73% remaining was cooked by us in some way. Out of that, my takeaway was that we identified maybe five or six really good recipes, like really good value, really good nutritiously, uh, tastes good, not crazy expensive ingredients 
ingredients. And that's the other thing. We tend to use websites with recipes from the US or other places. And besides converting units, which is very easy to do with any assistant like Siri or Alexa or whatever, the challenge is getting the ingredients because you, you notice stuff that is maybe popular elsewhere is not popular here. And one thing that always strikes me like that is, for example, potatoes. Potatoes are not cheap. Like they're not like dirt cheap, like they are in many other countries. Whereas you can get like ginger and garlic for like cents. So I think that the biggest findings for me is it's not just the, the recipes themselves. Like one of them, I can give you an example, is quinoa salad with grapes, feta cheese, and nuts. And it's very easy to make and tastes great. You can keep it in the fridge for a bunch of days. Uh, it's very filling, very nutritious, very light for Singapore hotness. But it's not just that, it's, it's also understanding that you need to adjust the recipe and, and to the offerings that exist in the country. So that was a, a good realization, I guess. That's so fascinating. I haven't done a breakdown of how much takeout versus home-cooked meals I've done, but I definitely, I'll, I'm a little embarrassed to say because the whole food planning process had really stressed me out. So not only did I have very detailed grocery shopping lists, but every Sunday I basically come up with the rest of the week's menus for every single meal that I'm gonna have because otherwise I just don't know how to freely shop at the grocery store. I need to know exactly what I need to buy. So please send me your recipes. That quinoa salad sounds deliciously healthy. I unfortunately have not been cooking things as healthy as that. Been doing a lot of carbs because they're simpler and I've been baking up a storm. Oh, I have been indulging my sweet tooth like no other. I'm a little embarrassed because I feel like I'm acting like a five-year-old just being able to eat any cookie or cake or brownie or scone, croissant, muffin. I could go on and on with all the baked goods that I've made during quarantine. I think for us, I can say that I tried at least three different recipes of banana bread. <laughs> really? I think that's like the most searched term on Google Trends these days. That or like sourdough bread. Yeah, I think sourdough is for people who are trying to like get deeper into the baking, whereas for banana bread, it's like a quick win. Because you don't need yeast, right? Uh, that's correct, but it's also a lot more fattening and tasty, I guess. Where sour bread makes you feel like you're wise. Oh, okay. So it's like a hearty staple versus like a sweet indulgence. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I said sour bread, sourdough bread. <laughs> Sourdough bread, that's right. Well, Ale, I think I sent you this photo as well, but if you want a good hearty bread that doesn't require yeast, I, last week, made bread using an IPA beer. And I think for those who listen to the alcohol slash food episode know how much I love IPAs. So the fact that I could use two of my greatest loves, IPAs, and carbs and combine them into one dish was probably one of the proudest days I've ever had in lockdown so far. It feel like an alchemist. It really was. You use the yeast from the beer and it's so simple. I think for me at least, baking was really intimidating because everyone always said how precise you need to be and exact measurements, like leveling the flour off of the cup or a packed cup of brown sugar versus a lightly tapped. And I just said, oh my gosh, this sounds stressful. You're taking all the fun out of baking. But something like beer bread, you just start pouring the beer into the flour, mix, 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 pop it in the oven, and you have delicious bread in 45 minutes. I think that the main challenge that you mentioned is that baking is essentially about cooking something that you just made alive 10 minutes before. 
or a few hours before. Whereas the rest of your food is dead already. In the case of yeast and, and whatnot, you're trying to make something become alive and activated and, and having a reaction and then you cook it. <laughs> I love that you described most food as dead, which is very true. And that actually has freaked me out. I, I hadn't eaten red meat in months and oh man, I was just craving some good red meat, Ollie. So two days ago, I made rack of lamb or lamb chop and it did it. I felt so guilty about throwing an animal on my pan and hearing it sizzle. And I'm sorry if that's really graphic, but it ended up being so delicious and juicy. So I assuaged my guilt with just saying, you know, I needed the iron and uh, it, it, the protein was really necessary for my body since I've been working out so much lately. Okay, actually, let me let me ask you about that now. Have you been working out a lot? Would you say compared to last year? Oh, yes. I have been working out maybe 60% more than, than earlier this year, just because I, I need to get outside. So I go to the park almost every day and I'll probably do 50 to 60 minutes of working out every single day, maybe giving myself a day of rest on Sunday. Wow, that's like extremely intense, I would say, because when you initially when you're saying 60% more, like I was thinking, okay, 60% of zero is still zero. But <laughs> Is that how much you, I guess, don't work out, Ollie? No, no, no. Actually, I, I, I was able to keep a, a steady pace of maybe working out two or three times a week in, in stretches of 45 minutes. But what really changed it for me is that, first of all, I was going to a gym that is closed because of the circuit breaker, is that I discovered two things. One, that I can work out at my own house, just using a yoga mat and my TV, watching YouTube Tabata classes. And the second one is that I go for runs. And in the past, I will never go for runs here in Singapore because it was so hot. But I found that I can go at night and I'm lucky to live in, in the West where there are many beautiful gardens and I can go and walk and run there for maybe half an hour, one hour. And it's a beautiful sight. There's no cars, very little amount of people, especially at night, especially because of Circuit Breaker. So I even had moments, I remember that last weekend, I went for a run Saturday night, like 11 p.m. And I almost got a bit scared because I was running by the water and this is a place called Lakeside Gardens and near the water there's one small path that doesn't have any lights like uh, street lights. It only has some LEDs that look like little snakes showing you the contour of the path, nothing else. So you're running around in darkness following these two wavy lines around the water and you can hear like all sorts of animals and rustling movements in the vegetation, underwater. And my mind starts thinking of snakes and monitor lizards and I don't know, scorpions or whatever. And it, I think it just makes you run faster. So I find it as a great way to like and get an extra push out of my exercise. I love that in Singapore, we don't fear people. We fear animals when we're out and about at night. That was absolutely not the case. I think I, I would go for runs in Argentina, of course, and it was generally fine, but it also really depends where you lived. And, and I'm absolutely positive sure that this is not the case for, for girls, especially single girls, like single as in one girl running around. The, it's, you need to have an extra open eye in many places, not in Singapore. Yep, in Singapore, you can run around at 11 p.m. like you mentioned. Um, my only gripe with Singapore is that I don't fear the, the people, I fear the 
mosquitoes. Now, I, I know that Singapore is not nearly as bad as Southeast Asia. Thank you, Singaporean government, for exterminating or spraying or whatever they do. But when I do go run specifically in the parks or more jungly, foresty areas, no matter what, I still get bitten. I will spray DEET on myself and they'll still manage to find the little patches of skin that I've missed and bite. So I have to weigh my desire to go exercise outside versus likely coming away a little bit more itchy due to mosquito bites. Do you wear anything that will, besides like the spray, do you wear like any sort of full body clothing to try to no. keep them off or is, is it worse? As you mentioned, it's just too hot. So I just wear workout pants and a t-shirt and they still will manage to find the spots on my body. They especially love the ankles. They can like sneak in between my shoe and the workout pants. I don't understand what it is. I think they're just trying to show you how they have control. Oh yeah, they're like, you're on our territory now. And it's funny because in the parks, I actually start to recognize some of the same people if you go around the same times and I go, oh, hey guys, maybe I'll actually get up the courage to approach them once Circuit Breaker ends and we can start talking to strangers again. Yeah, yeah, for now, just keep a safe distance. Exactly, one meter away. I do get annoyed sometimes when I find people in my little spot in the park and I go, what, come on. I've been here nearly every day. You go find your own patch of grass to do your yoga sun salutations. Uh, one thing I wanted to check, Stacy, by any chance do you wear any of these devices like Fitbit or the Mi Fit watch or anything that tracks your steps? No, I downloaded the Google Fit app. Um, it's a nice way to keep track of my steps, but it's quite imperfect because I don't have my phone attached to my hip all the time and, and happily so. And they do give you an opportunity to log your activity, but for me, it's actually very hard to know what they quantify as heart points. How many heart points that I've accumulated or achieved by doing an hour circuit training or HIIT workout or CrossFit style workout. So it's more of a proxy, but it is a way of gamification and it does give me another activity to do while we're stuck in Circuit Breaker. How about you? Do you wear one of those Fitbit devices? Yeah, so for me, I, I've been wearing one for years now. And I have one of the very simple one from Xiaomi. And what I noticed is that I would usually, in a normal day in the office before all this, I would usually walk 9,000 steps, 10,000 steps. If I went for a run or something at the gym, I will even do 13,000 steps on a, on a good day, let's say. But now I can check the days I don't exercise and I barely do 2,000 steps or 3,000 steps. So what this really concerns me is that, yes, I'm exercising at home maybe three times a week or going for runs once or twice a week, but I'm barely moving all the other time and I know that you cannot just compensate you cannot just say I'm gonna exercise like crazy for two hours and then like stay still for the rest of the day and that's as if I was balancing this throughout the day and I know that for a fact that's not the case so I wonder what kind of problems are cooking up in our bodies because of being so still I completely agree and it is very concerning I just checked my fit app today I've walked fewer than 2,000 steps but I did work out a ton. So again, Ali, hopefully if you're still exercising a bit, it's just not exactly counting your steps. And I do think we do need to forgive ourselves a little bit. It's, it's these very strange circumstances that have us working out less. We just have to remember what it's like once we do open up that just walking around the office, taking the stairs, 
versus the elevator if we can is very, very helpful. But I am proud of myself this past weekend that I hit my all-time high. I tracked 14,000 steps because I basically walked around Singapore for two and a half hours delivering some baked goods to friends all around the area. So I didn't want to get into a grab car yet, uh, not super comfortable on public transit. So I just walked to all my friends' houses, did contactless deliveries, of course, just placed it on their front step, waved at them through the window, and then moved on to the next friend. Wow, that's a fantastic way of keeping in touch with people, exercising and cooking all at once. Yeah, sorry, Ali, you live a little bit too far from me on the other side of the island for me to deliver any cookies, but I promise, because I know it's your birthday coming up, hopefully we'll be opening lockdown by then and there will be cookies or whatever treat you would like with your name on it. I would love that. And unfortunately, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, we can only have gatherings of up to five people. So Ala, you got to pick your four favorite friends. That's going to be very difficult. I know, I know. That's, that's a challenge. And I think that the best way of doing this is by either not doing it or having us a lot of meetings at different times, which in some way defeat their purpose. But I guess this is some sort of small network spread of the disease in which you know who you met very well. And, and if something happens, you can easily contact trace that. Exactly. And I do appreciate this incremental approach. I know before we went into lockdown, they had said initially no larger gatherings of 10 or more people. And that to me just sounds like a lifetime ago. Wow, we used to hang out in groups of 10. Now I feel like I'm retreating inward and going, oh, I'm scared of large groups. That sounds crazy. 10 people. They can barely know their names. Exactly. Well, anything else uh, unique that you never thought you'd be doing while while we've been in this circuit breaker period, Ali? I think for me is that I'm only using a very small amount of clothes, doing my laundry, that what I wear. It's, it's a very limited selection. I have like a couple of shorts, a couple of t-shirts, and I just cycle through them in a very orderly fashion. And I feel like it's the very minimalistic living that we're having. Like I haven't worn a shirt in months. I haven't ironed anything in months. And yeah, just just going anywhere. It, it sounds so strange to, I can't imagine going to an airport now. Oh, that's gonna be months away for me at least as well. And I feel you on the clothes. I have not worn anything but workout clothes in the last two months because it's just so much more comfortable and no one can see me. And then it helps me actually stay motivated to work out. So if I do need to go pick up dinner or I need to go to the grocery store, I just run. So it may not be a very long run, less than 10 minutes, but it's still a run to get my heartbeat up for a little bit. That's an excellent idea. So pro tip for everyone out there listening, just get dressed into workout clothes. And if you can, even if it's five minutes, five minutes, get your heart rate up, totally worth it. And while you're at it, if you wanna listen to us, wherever you go, remember you can, always subscribe to us because we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcast platform. So just letting everyone know that you can find us there and you don't need to rely on Anchor necessarily. That was a very smooth plug, Ollie. So yes, on your run to the grocery store, you can listen to our podcast after subscribing, rating us, and leaving a review. I think, Stacy, for now, we, we touch a bunch of stuff about COVID, about quarantine, and how we're handling with this. Is there any, any message or, or tip you would like to leave the audience with before we go. I think everyone's been handling this lockdown or circuit breaker situation very uniquely, and there's no right or wrong way. 
I personally have been quite productive, if you will, in terms of output. I just need to stay busy. Otherwise, a restless Stacy starts to get into trouble. And so I've found an outlet through writing. I even downloaded a few meditation apps. I never thought I would meditate, but they're guided, so I don't have to worry about doing it myself. And so take the plunge, try something new that you've always wanted. Look what came out of this, Ollie. We have a podcast now, which is crazy. So I would say tap into your creative side and don't be afraid to try new things. So Stacy, sorry, what's your blog name? Uh, there is no name, but I can definitely link to it in the show notes. It's, it's on Medium. So medium.com slash at Stacy Chan, my full name. And so I even write a blog post about being in quarantine. And I talk about the podcast in the blog post. So it's very meta. I'll definitely link to it in the show notes. Looking forward to reading it. Okay, I think from my end, that's that's about it. I think the, the one thought I would like to share with others, and this is something that has given me some comfort, is that I think that there's an increase in working hours and stress matched with a decrease in productivity. And I found it a bit hard to accept in the beginning. I was getting upset many times for having to work extra and feel like I was accomplishing less. But this is a difficult time, and it's, I think it's a good time to be patient with others and patient with yourself. Be kind to your mind. These are extraordinary times that we're in and circumstances are totally different from anything we have ever experienced in our lifetime. So everyone out there, hope you take care of yourselves. We'd love to hear from you. If you just want to talk to someone and vent, uh, we're definitely willing to do that. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that's all for today, Stacy. Okay. All right. We'll catch you later next week. Thanks for chatting, Ollie. Until next time. Bye-bye. See ya.